Recorded at the Running Age Studio, you're listening to Venture Tabernacle. It's like venture capital, except that the investment is made in your soul. This is where America hangs out to talk about anything and everything from a biblical perspective. I'm your host, Ty Hervey. Join me as we learn to view the world through the objective lens of the Bible. Alrighty, everybody, welcome back to another week of the Sunday Sermon, where we are going through the gospel according to Mark, verse by verse and story by story. Last week, we saw Jesus call the 12 disciples to follow him, and we learned that God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things, because he gets the glory. Today, we are looking at what happened right after that moment, and we are going to learn a little about the family of Jesus. It's just two short verses, but there is a lot to unpack here. So let's get started. Our text for the day is Mark chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. I'll read it to you. It says, Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again, so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, He is out of his mind. Once again, we see that the fame of Jesus has become a problem for him. Pretty much anywhere he goes at this point, there is a large crowd following. And at this point, it is a real genuine danger to him. If you have ever been in a crowd that has just gotten out of control, you know that people can get trampled, hurt, and all kinds of crazy things, and that was the situation here. This crowd was way out of hand looking for Jesus, and his family is nearby, and they hear about it. And of course, the natural family reaction when your brother is in trouble, what is that? What do they do? Well, they go grab him. Because they think that he has lost his marbles. They think he has gone cuckoo, kachoo. Which is pretty interesting to realize because these people grew up with Jesus. And though Jesus didn't start his public ministry until he was around 30, he was perfect for all of his life. Now how would you like that? To grow up with a brother who was perfect all of the time. You couldn't tattle on him because mom knows that Jesus didn't do it. You can't argue with him because he is God. You can't provoke him into something stupid. And I'll say it was probably pretty interesting to grow up with Jesus. And Jesus' brothers would probably have some pretty interesting thoughts about him. But the one that wouldn't make any sense is that he was insane. There's an old argument that I think is still a pretty good point and is originally put forth by C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, I believe, where he said basically this, either Jesus is a liar, a lunatic, or he is Lord. There is no in-between, no half and half, no combination. He can only be one of the three, liar, lunatic, or Lord. And the reason I bring this up is that up to this point, Jesus' family, other than Mary, believed that he was simply a good teacher. And that's an argument that a lot of people still make today. In fact, if you ask a Muslim what they think of Jesus, they usually will call him a prophet and a wise teacher, but not the Son of God. And that is where they miss the ball. Because to believe that Jesus is just a good teacher you have to make some pretty big logical leaps. 
You see, a man who is just a man and said the kind of things that Jesus said could not just be a good teacher because he has already made several claims to be God's son in just the first few chapters of Mark as we've seen. So when he says that, he is either a liar of extreme intelligence with one purpose, and that is to pull the world away from God, or he is straight up insane and has lost his marbles, or the third option is that he is who he says he is, Lord of all. And unfortunately, the siblings of Jesus didn't get that at this point in the story. Now, lucky for them, later on in the story, they do receive the truth and believe it. And if you want a spoiler alert as to why they started believing Jesus is who he says he is, it's a pretty good trump card. It's called resurrection. When Jesus rose from the dead and his siblings had seen him killed, that is a pretty hard thing to argue with. But when they went out to grab Jesus, they had good intentions. They wanted to protect their brother, who they thought was crazy, from this massive crowd that was threatening his safety. But they missed the point. And how often does this happen to us? How often is God trying to do something, trying to fix something, trying to save you from something right under your nose, and we miss the point? Or worse, how often do we call God a lunatic? Now, we might not be bold enough to say those exact words, but let me remind you, your actions speak louder than words. You see, there was a time in my life that I literally and boldly called God crazy to his face. Because when he called me to ministry, I thought that he had the wrong guy. A piece of my testimony is that growing up, I was extremely shy. I had a hard time socializing and talking with people, and when God called me to ministry, he began that process when I was just 15 years old. It was the first time I remember hearing from the Lord that he wanted me to step into full-time ministry, and I'll be honest with you, it terrified me. It scared me, and I ran from it and did a lot of things in the next two years of my life that I regret and I should have never even been a part of. But I called God crazy, not only with my actions, but with my words. I said, God, you need to find someone else to step into ministry. You need to find someone more qualified, better at the job, with more people skills. And God said, no, Ty, I have chosen you to do the job I've set before you, and you will do it. And it was one fateful night at church camp when I was 17 years old, and the preacher asked us, what is God calling you to do? And those words hit me like a sack of bricks because I knew and I had known for two years what the Lord was calling me to do and I had been running from it. I had been saying to the Lord, you are a lunatic. When the Lord just wanted to use me, he wanted to make my life better. He wanted to change me from the inside out. And that's exactly what he's done. And on that night, I surrendered to a call to ministry at 17 years old and the Lord has changed my life and he's used me to do things just like we talked about last week with the 12 ordinary men. I'm one of those people. I'm an ordinary man that God has used to further his kingdom. And maybe something similar to that has happened in your life too. 
I want you to think about this. Is there ever a time in your life where it was clear that God was leading you to or away from something, but you said no? In that moment, what you said, without saying it with words, was that he is out of his mind. Just as the brothers and sisters and the family of Jesus said, even if you never spoke those words. And for some of you, that might sting a little. But I'm just shooting into a hole. And if you get hit, you need to get out of the hole. Because what C.S. Lewis said is so true. Jesus is either liar, lunatic, or Lord. Where does he sit in your life? That marks the end of this episode of the Venture Tabernacle podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I want to remind you that you are the marketing budget of the Venture Tabernacle podcast. So if you got value out of this episode, we ask that you share, that you like it, that you give us a five-star review, all the things that you can do to help the internet algorithms recognize that this is a podcast worth putting in front of people. Until next week, be blessed, stay safe, and remember, the God of the universe is in control. Oh,